Well, good morning, church. There we go. Awesome. So good to be here with you. Decisions, decisions, decisions. We all have decisions to make, and uh, we have to try and make them how God would make them. Sometimes that seems like an overwhelming task. Now, let's say this morning you are a man, or maybe you will be a man one day, and someone gets you a, 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 a subscription to Sports Illustrated. You're a sports fan. You enjoy all of the sporting events. You enjoy reading the articles. But every year, Sports Illustrated has a particular issue. It's called the swimsuit issue. They come out, and it has nothing to do with swimsuits. This is not something that you are going to show your bride or future bride, your girlfriend. And she's not going to look through this magazine going, oh, that one's cute. Maybe I'll try that one. And so you're faced with a decision. You come home one day, you open the mailbox, there it is, right there, the subscription. What do you do? You have a decision to make. Will God help me make this decision? Maybe you're at work, and you work with some pretty extraordinary people. You enjoy being in their company. You want to be thought well of in their presence. They begin telling stories at the, the lunch table, and you really don't want to be left out. And so something inside of you says, I may just stretch a story. What if I just told a little white lie to make myself seem better to them so that maybe they'll accept me? And so you're faced with the decision, what will I do? And you want to know, will God help me? Maybe you're a student in the very uh, same sort of scenario, and there you are, you you're maybe finding yourself in a new environment. Maybe you are transitioning from the middle school ranks to the high school ranks or from the elementary school ranks to the middle school ranks or you're moving into a new school or, or you're trying to fit into a new group of people and, and you want desperately to be accepted. You don't want them to label you and, and so you're tempted to say things that are not true and you are faced with a decision. Well, God help me. And maybe there's some really great decision that you have the opportunity of making. Uh, maybe, maybe the Lord has just placed it upon your heart. You, you went to, to a, uh, a workshop. You talked to a friend. And you now have an opportunity to adopt. 
You have an opportunity perhaps to be a foster parent because uh, you recognize the need that's out there and, and something is just burning within your soul and you're, you want to look to the Lord and go, okay, okay, there's a good decision here. I want to make the right one. And you're just asking, will God help me make this decision? Well, the good news is God will help you make decisions. And God will help you uh, through His Holy Spirit that He has placed inside of His people. If you consider yourself a Christian, uh, God is placed inside of you His Holy Spirit. This is one of the Maybe the greatest mysteries of all of Scripture. The Holy Spirit, one of the persons of God Himself living inside of us. And, and the Holy Spirit will help us in making decisions. The, the question this morning is just exactly how does He do that? Now, what exactly is the role of the Holy Spirit in our decision making? How does He intervene with us uh, to guide us and teach us and convict us uh, toward the right decisions? Now, I want to remind you that throughout this series, we have been saying consistently that God's will for us, that God's will for us is, is not a roadmap. It's not a blueprint. It's not an itinerary. Have you ever gone on a trip and you have one of those people that, that just has to have every moment of the, of the trip mapped out, Right? Like, at 10.46 a.m., you will be found, you know, at a rest area. At 10.50, we will leave the rest area, and we will get back on I-29, and then we will drive for 3.56 hours, and then we will arrive at the Village Inn, at wherever it is, right? God's will, we have found, is, is not a detailed itinerary. It's not a blueprint. It's, it's something more of a compass. Giving us good direction. And giving us the freedom of mind uh, to make decisions freely and without fear. So this morning, we're just going to take a look at how it is that God uses His Holy Spirit that He's placed inside of His people to help and guide us, to give us a compass toward making good decisions. We're going to take a look at some uh, instances of decisions that were made uh, in the Bible, in the early church. And we're going to look at, at how they made decisions and try and use that as a benchmark for maybe how we can make decisions with the Holy Spirit behind us. And we're going to take a look specifically at what it is that the, the Holy Spirit teaches, what He guides us to, what He convicts us in. And find that we can make decisions freely and without fear. If you will, open up your Bibles. I'm going to begin in Acts chapter 6. 
I believe it's page 767. I could be wrong. We're going to be moving through Scripture today. Acts chapter 6. We do not have to wait. We do not have to wait for a special sign, a special sense, a special feeling, a special uh, green light from the Holy Spirit in order to make decisions. In Acts chapter 6, there is an issue uh, with Two different groups of widows. Uh, The text tells us that there are Grecian widows and Hebrew widows. And there is a distribution. Some say it's a distribution of money. Some say it's an actual distribution of food. But in either case, one of those groups are being left out. And so when we pick up in Acts chapter 6, we read that there's a decision that is going to be made. Now, look at verse 3. The apostles come in. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. In other words, the Spirit of God is within them uh, and they're wise. They've been known to make good choices. We will turn this responsibility over to them. The responsibility of making sure that they have food or money. And, and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And this proposal pleased the whole group. And they go on and they choose Stephen, a man full of faith, etc., etc. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And Philip, and, and Procurus, and, and Nacanor, and Timon. <clears throat> and, and all the rest... And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. No. There's no special sign from the Spirit. Other than that these men were people who were known to be with the Holy Spirit and were wise. We don't see the apostles uh, uh, looking for a green light uh, about making this decision. They don't agonize over hours or days. They just simply say, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word in order to wait on tables. And so they say, here's what we're going to do. Now, can you imagine? There you are. You're one of those widows. You're one of those people in need. And you come to your church and you say, "Uh, hey, I have this need. Can you do something about it? And they look at you and say, absolutely, we would love to do something about it, uh, but we're just going to have to pray about it first. Okay, go ahead, pray. Well, it's going to take us a few days. We're looking for a sign from the Spirit that we should actually try and help you. But it seemed already wise and good that they would go out and help these widows to care for them. 
We don't need a special sign from the Spirit to say that this is good. Go over a few chapters. Maybe page 771 in your Bibles. And Barnabas and Saul are going to make a journey to Antioch. Antioch is a place where Christians were first known as Christians. It seems like in the persecution that has been happening in the church, there's some people that are excited about the good news of Jesus. And they've gone back to where they have come from, and they've begun to share the Word with people, and people have begun to believe it, and they have, they have really received God's Word. And, 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 and Word gets back to home base that this all is happening, and they say, well, hey, we should probably send some folks there, uh, make sure that they're, they're right in their teaching, and here's what happens. Look at verse 22 in chapter 11 of Acts. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad, and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Now, now wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't see that Barnabas sought out the Holy Spirit's blessing on this decision. I'm not sure that, that we recognize that, that, that Barnabas prayed for days in order to go and seek out Saul from Tarsus. We just see that he went and did it. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of, the, of people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Barnabas and Saul weren't looking for a special something. They didn't need a special urging. Uh, they didn't need a, a, a special goal light to say, go and do this ministry in Antioch and it'll be a good thing. They just simply saw the opportunity and said, you know what, that looks like a good thing. I think maybe that I ought to go there. And so they did. And Barnabas got there. He realized maybe that he's going to need some help. And so he goes out and seeks for Saul at Tarsus. And he says, hey, come along. And they went and they ministered to people. And there was people that came to know who Jesus was. Keep going. Are you ready? Go over a few more pages. Go over a few more pages, maybe into the 780s, to chapter 15, in verse 36. Now, in the book of Acts, Paul is found going on several different missionary journeys. That just means uh, that he takes several different trips around the known world uh, to try and bring the gospel of God to people. He wants to tell people about Jesus. He wants to establish churches. He wants to train leaders. And that's what he does several times. Now, you would think that this is a pretty important decision. 
I mean, we agonize, don't we? If we're about to make a move, like we agonize, like, should I do it? Should I not? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Here's what Acts records in verse 36. Sometime later, Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now, there's a disagreement between them. Barnabas wants to take John, also called Mark, with them. And Paul doesn't think that's wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. And they had a sharp disagreement and they parted company. And Barnabas takes uh, Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left and commended by the brothers in the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now, we would think... That as Paul is launching off into another missionary journey to go see the cities, uh, that he would be found like with his face in the dirt, seeking some special sign from the Spirit of God that he is, should be guided to go in this place versus this place, and yet we don't. Uh, which leads us to the conclusion that Perhaps Paul knew something about the Spirit of God that he could freely and without fear make a decision to go and minister to the churches because because it was a good thing. And so he goes. And the same is true when, when Acts records that Paul goes on his final missionary journey. In Acts 18, we find that Paul just simply goes. Have you ever played red light, green light? Anybody? A couple of you. This is good. If you have small children at some point, you're probably going to play red light, green light. And here, here's how the red light, green light works, okay? So if I'm participating in red light, green light, I wait for the person in the front to turn around, right? It's like this. Red light. Green light. Right? Have you played this? Okay. We're going to play it. Okay? You are going to pretend, pretend, just stay where you're at, okay? But you're going to pretend that you're racing toward me, but you can only do so when I say green light. Okay? Are you ready? All right. So, red light. Green light. Red light. Green light. Okay, now, back, back to Jesus, okay? I think that we try and imagine that that's how the Spirit of God works in making our decisions. That we're like there, uh, trying to find wherever the Spirit is, and, and, and we're going, okay, is it red light or green light? And maybe you're switching, and so I, I'm, I'm going forward, and then I'm stopping, and then I'm not going. And I'm going, and then I'm not going. Is it red light or green light? And maybe the answer is it's neither. But the Spirit of God gives us freedom to make decisions without fear. That if we have looked in His Word, that if it's wise and good, 
that if we desire to do it, uh, that we have the freedom to make decisions without fear, and we don't need to wait on the Holy Spirit to give us some green light to go do it. And so some of you are maybe trying to make some sort of relational decisions. And you have looked and scoured through God's Word, and, and maybe it has, it has looked and seemed in God's Word like this is a good thing. Uh, that it's wise that you desire it. You don't need to wait and try and find some golden light around the person with whom you desire this relationship as if God's going to give you a green light. Maybe the green light has already been made and He's giving you the opportunity to freely and without fear make a decision. And like Paul going to uh, different missionary cities around the known world, maybe, uh, maybe you have an opportunity uh, in a different geographical area and you have the freedom to make a decision without fear. That you have sought God's word and wisdom and you desire to make the move and you can move. And maybe, maybe Jed or Brenda or Josh has approached you uh, several times and said, hey, you know, I think that you would be great to serve in this area of ministry and, and you, have been, you have been mulling that over in your mind and, and, and you, you've said more than once, well, you know, I'll just pray about it. I, I need some sign. Maybe you don't need a sign at all. Maybe you just simply need to know that it's a good thing and that you desire it and it's ministry and it will take you places that you you probably wouldn't go on your own and so you don't need a special sign from the Lord to say this is okay. Uh, Maybe you just simply step out and you begin to serve. And in all of that, God's Spirit... He's reminding you already of what God has said in His Word so that you might step out and make decisions freely and without fear. We don't need special signs on every decision we make from the Spirit of God. Now, is that it? Is that where the sermon ends? Is that all that the Holy Spirit does? No. The Holy Spirit, in every decision, leads us to godliness. The Holy Spirit, in His role in our lives, living inside of us, leads us, guides us, teaches us, convicts us toward godliness. Flip over to Romans chapter 8. I may have my numbers all mixed up, but I think that it's page 812. It may not be. It might be page like 787. Try 787 first and then 812. It is 787. Thank you. The Holy Spirit guides us to be godly. To be godly in our decision making. 
Romans chapter 8. Look with me at verse 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the Spirit, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit, if you live according to the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You want to know what it is to be led by the Spirit of God? Well, just a minute and I will tell you. Go over to Galatians. Go over to Galatians chapter 5. If you get to Ephesians, you've gone too far. It's going to be page 812. I've got this one this time. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say to you, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. And they're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, and on and on and on he goes. They're obvious. But he also tells us what many of us in this room recognize. But the fruits of the Spirit are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. What does all that mean? It means that on one side, that the Spirit of God is leading us to resist sinful decisions. The Spirit of God on this side is, re- is helping, is guiding, is leading us to resist sinful decisions. So you're on a business trip. You're all by yourself. You go to the hotel room. You're bored. There's nothing on television. And on top of the television, there is for paid programming. You recognize that there's adult movies. You're tempted. And the Holy Spirit living inside of you convicts you of sin. Uh, convicts you in that moment that this would not be a decision in keeping with godliness. That this is not the way of the Spirit. That this isn't a righteous life. And so instead, instead of going and typing in a code that you think will hurt no one, 
you decide to call your bride. You decide to talk to her. Maybe she's not available, so you, you call your mom. You talk to her. If she's not available, maybe, maybe you call Josh and talk to him. I don't know. But because you are, have been guided by the Spirit living inside of you and you recognize that there is a way that is the Spirit of God and a way that is not the Spirit of God, uh, you are convicted to live a godly life. And so the Spirit of God is acting in you uh, to re- help you resist sinful decisions. Let's say you have some great friends. I hope you all have great friends. But let's say that these friends, they make more money than you do. Have you ever had friends that make more money than you do? And they have you over for dinner one night, and they just cannot wait to share the latest thing that they're going to do with their house. They're going to put one of those really nice patios in the back with with one of those uh, stone-made pizza ovens. And you are like, man, does that sound great! In Galatians 5, one of those areas that Paul says the, the deeds of the flesh are obvious, jealousy is one of them. You get in your car after having dinner, and you're sitting there, and you're not happy. And actually, what's conjuring inside of you is this jealousy, like, how come they get it and I don't? I want what they have, and I can't have it. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit is acting as a convictor uh, to say to you, you know what? I want you to celebrate with them. I want you to have joy with what they have success with. I want you to enjoy it with them. And so the Holy Spirit is acting to guide you, to convict you, to teach you to resist a sinful life. And it's not just on the end of the Holy Spirit helping us resist that which is sin. Uh, But on the other side, it is the Holy Spirit uh, guiding us, teaching us, convicting us uh, to live a godly life. To make godly decisions. So you have the opportunity to serve at church. You have the opportunity, maybe uh, with a neighbor who is a a single mom or a single parent. And you remember, via the Holy Spirit who's living inside of you, reminding you what God's Word has already said, uh, you are convicted that, that you need to find ways of serving and loving. And so you look at your neighbor and you don't need a special sign from the Lord to do what's right. And so you make sure that there is a food basket and you make sure that there are gas cards and, and you help do uh, 
All the things that perhaps they don't have time to do, you offer babysitting. You offer meals at your home. Why? You didn't need a sign from the Lord for that. It's just the right thing. And so the Holy Spirit is leading you, convicting you, teaching you to, to make godly decisions. Now maybe you're in church. And maybe, maybe there is another member that gathers regularly on Sunday that 50% of the time you disagree with that person. Right? Uh, like, like, if you were to sit down and look at doctrine and look at biblical things, that 50% of the time you two are not going to agree. And yet, and yet the Spirit of God is continually uh, just prompting you, convicting you, teaching you, guiding you uh, that loving other people in the church is a real thing. Uh, that you actually have to love one another. And so instead, instead of turning your back, instead of ignoring, you say, I, I'm going to do something about that. And you find ways of serving them instead of just disagreeing with them. And maybe, maybe you pick up the tab at lunch when you invite them. Maybe... Maybe you just stop by unannounced to say, how can I help you in what it is that you do? And the Holy Spirit is guiding you to live a godly life by making godly decisions. You see, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, the primary role of the Holy Spirit is not to guide you in who you should marry and what you should purchase and where you should live. The primary role of the Holy Spirit is to make you like Jesus. And you can be Jesus. You can be like Jesus in whatever marriage you decide to engage in. In whatever relationship comes along, you can decide to be like Jesus wherever you are, whether that's in Whiting, Iowa, or Timbuktu, Africa. Uh, you can decide to be like Jesus in all of your purchases and not just one or two of them. You can decide to, to live the godly life, to reject the sinful decisions and make the godly decisions wherever, whenever, and however because the Spirit of God lives. So, will God help me make decisions? You have that Sports Illustrated magazine in your hand. Men, what do you do with it? You already know what you should do with it. You throw it away. Because nothing good is going to come from looking at it. You're with your friends at the, at the table and you want to lie. Or you're with your colleagues. 
You want to make yourself look better. What should you do? The Spirit tells you what to do. The Word tells you, and you're convicted. There's that inner presence of God inside of you that says, I just need to tell the truth. You're wondering, should I, should I adopt kids? Should I be a foster parent? And the Spirit of God says to you, convicts you, teaches you, can you afford it? Do you love it? Do I love these people? Can you be Jesus to them? And perhaps you have your answer. Now some of you are sitting there saying, well, how do I get the Spirit? How do, I, how do I enjoy the Spirit of God living inside of me? There's no doubt that the Spirit of God works around us all the time, but how does He work in us? I don't have all the answers to that. But I will say this. Based on what I understand in Scripture, where I can't say for certain just exactly where the Holy Spirit will come, and when He will come, and exactly how He gets in there, I will say this. The best time that I can think of is when people have made the decision and they say, I'm going to walk through the waters of baptism and I will die to self and rise again to live a new life. That something actually changes and it's with the Holy Spirit's help. That from that moment, we live differently with the Holy Spirit inside. So you are set free and without fear to make decisions. Pray with me. Gracious God, I thank you for your goodness. And I pray, Father God, that, that we will be set free to make decisions without fear and with the presence of the Holy Spirit guiding us, convicting us, teaching us. I pray, Father God, that if we see a need, we will go after it. I pray, that, I pray that we would resist the sinful decisions. And we would be led to make the godly decisions. God, and lead us to make decisions, Lord. Convicted by Your Spirit with freedom and without fear. We love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.